Hello everybody, my name is Diana and I'm the host of the podcast Perspective of the Mind, where each episode I focus on bringing you perspectives of the mind that may help you to live your best lives. My special guest today is Dr. Brooke Schule, the performance psychiatrist. Dr. Brooke is passionate about helping high achievers like executives and athletes to enhance their mental health and live more fulfilling lives. She is also very well known for her roles as President of the American Board of Sports and Performance Psychiatry and Team Psychiatrist for NBA Phoenix Sun and Phoenix Mercury. I cannot wait to ask all of my questions, so let's get started. Hello, Dr. Brooke. I'm so honored to co-create today with you, so welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on today. So I guess that every listener has a goal they would like to achieve. And it doesn't matter how big or how small that goal is. Maybe for some, they would like to gain, to lose weight. Or for others, they would like to uh, start a business podcast. What a person needs in order to achieve their goals, like generally speaking? Sure, that's such a tough question because there's so many things we could talk about from that. But I think one really important thing is having a vision and being able to effectively goal set. And what I mean by that is it's great to have an idea, like I want to start a new business, but what are the actual steps that someone has to take to actually achieve that? And almost creating like a roadmap to that end result to really be able to affect that goal. And do you think that putting like a deadline for uh, achieving the, uh, those goals is important or putting so much pressure on ourselves is not healthy? I think that there's a good balance. You know, I think that everyone should be flexible in terms of being able to adapt to changes. But at the same time, it's really good to have goals and milestones to make sure that you're actually making progress in achieving those goals. So I am a big fan of setting, I don't like the word deadline necessarily, but milestones So setting dates, target dates for certain milestones to make sure that you're moving forward and making progress. Mm -hmm. And how can we make sure that our goals are aligned with our true selves? And is it really important through the perspective of a psychiatrist? What do you think? Or just the the goal is more important than the goal itself and its alignment with, with ourselves? Sure. I think a big word there is authenticity. So I think that it's really important for brands to be authentic in order to really succeed and do well. And what I mean by that is, let's say I wanted to start a hair salon. Well, I am a psychiatrist, so I don't really have the passion or the knowledge to start a hair salon. Whereas if I do something that's authentic to who I am, which is to help people achieve more and be better, I will succeed much more in that role than if I were to try and pigeonhole myself into a business just because I thought it was the right thing to do. But sometimes certain things, certain profession jobs, they're more likely to bring us to the desired result just because that's what at the moment society requires. So Mm -hmm. how can we make balance between the two things? I think tying in certain elements that you feel passionate. For example, I'm a psychiatrist, but what really makes me passionate is helping athletes and professionals and their families 
optimize their mental health and perform at their best, whether it's personal life or professional life. So for me, I'm able to tie in what society needs in terms of getting resources for mental health with something that's authentic to me and that I'm passionate about. So I think if you imagine a Venn diagram of, okay, what am I interested in? What am I passionate about? And then what is my profession? And finding where there's overlap. Okay. And do you think that enough people ask the question, why? Why do I want to achieve that goal? Why do I want to be number one in tennis? Why do I want to be successful? Do you think that enough people ask this important question, in my opinion? I think that it even maybe to take a step back that there's even less people that are identifying and goal setting effectively. So are there people that are, are there enough people that are writing down their goals and working towards very specific targetable goals? Or are people just saying things like, well, I want to make more money or I want to start a business. So I think that there's a fine difference there is that in order for someone to effectively do something at a high level, they really have to have a very clear objectional objection and directive to work towards those goals. But I guess behind the, behind the writing of these goals, there should be why I would like to achieve those goals, right? Right, not- and that ties in the authentic on authenticity and the passion behind it. Because if someone is is working on a project and they don't really have that passion, then you're right. They haven't asked why. Why am I doing this? What are the most common answers for the why when it comes to the high achievers that you're working with? If you can share that with us. Sure. I think that, you know, to some extent, people want to be able to provide for their families and they want to be able to do something that makes them feel good and show success at the same time. So I think a lot of people want to achieve as much as possible for their own level of of feeling content. But at the same time, we have to really balance that not letting these external factors like our professional achievements define our self-worth as human beings. Mm -hmm. And what was your why? Why exactly? For me, my mom and grandpa were both child and adolescent and adult psychiatrists. So I grew up watching them be able to really impact the lives of thousands of people and their patients. And I really wanted to have a large impact on people and something that wasn't just a quick fix. Like if someone gets admitted to the hospital and they're sick and they get antibiotics or IV fluids and then they get sent home. I wanted to do something where I could see people consistently and really have a long-term benefit and impact on their lives. I love it. And what what are the qualities that the high achievers have in common, except the fact that I guess most of them, they have drive and not quitting mindset. So what mm-hmm. else can uh, you can mention as well to that? I think a big one is taking action. So I think that a lot of people with anxiety or when they worry about things, it's really easy to feel stuck and almost frozen. And Mm -hmm. and it it can be easy to let the fear or the worry stop, stop or halt your progress. But for those that are really high achieving, they're able to persevere and they're able to convert their worries into action. So what I mean by that is, let's say I'm opening a new company and I worry about getting customers. Well, someone that 
is worrying about getting customers and letting themselves get frozen in that mindset is not making progress. But the person that's able to convert that worry into an action, for example, I'm worried I'm not going to have enough customers, so I'm going to go out and meet five people today. And every day I'm going to make an effort to meet five people. That person is converting their worry into action and ultimately leading to being able to be more high achieving. And how was for you in the beginning when you started your practice? Was it difficult to find clients? And in general, how did you scale up the business? Yeah, I would say that the big word for me back then was self-doubt. You know, can I do this? Is this something that the community needs? Uh, will it work? Is this a big waste of time? Like those were all of the self-doubt and worries going through my mind. So like I kind of mentioned, I think it's really important to take those worries and turn it into action rather than, let's say, like sitting and crying to myself about how worried or scared I was. Instead, I took action to meet people, get my name out there, tell people what I was doing and really used it as almost like fuel to try harder to be better. So I think it's it's really that's what sets a lot of high achievers apart from others is that determination and the never ceasing ability to take action despite fear. Do you remember your first client? I do. I do yeah? still remember my first client. Okay. And uh, uh, how did person yeah. reach? So they found me online and I still remember they reached out saying that they were looking for a psychiatrist and that they lived kind of far away but wanted to travel to one, you know, because they wanted to make sure they didn't see anyone that they might know. And I still am seeing them to this day. Nice. Okay, so uh, today I would like also with you to reframe somehow failure and uh, luck. I think mm -hmm. there is still this belief that some people succeed just because they're lucky, unlike others. And we as a society put so much negative meaning to the word failure when mm -hmm. I think just, it's just part of the process. So what is for you failure and luck? Yeah, I think that failure is a really good point because I see failure as a learning experience, like you said. Again, if you turn, if you let failure become more worry and you become frozen, there will be no more action. If you take failure and you learn, use it as a learning experience, how can I convert this into something actionable to drive me and my business forward? They will be much more successful. So for those that let that get them into a negative mindset, like you said, and they can't reframe it for themselves, it's very dangerous. But once you're able to learn how to reframe it into something positive or into something that fuels more action, helps you get towards your goals or your authentic brand, I think for me, failure is a learning experience. And I think I'm a big believer in that everything happens for a reason. So for me, the times that felt like failure ended up working out in a way that I was happy with. And in terms of luck, you know, it, that's a hard one. You know, I, I really think that, yeah, I think that some people can be in a place at the right time and you happen to meet someone, but I'm still a believer, like I said, that everything happens for a reason. So I don't really believe that that's luck. I just believe that that was part of what was on your journey. Part of our journey. Yeah. But maybe there are some components we cannot really control. So there is like a small percent of this luck 
definition that comes from the fact that yes some people are at the right time in the right place mm -hmm. right so what, what do you think yeah. about that is that a component that we cannot control i definitely think that there's a component we can't control but personally i wouldn't necessarily define that as luck because i still believe that everything happens for a reason because just like you said there are things that are out of our control and it was almost meant to be yeah and why are we so afraid of failure you know i think that everyone wants to see themselves in a positive way and see themselves do well so when a failure happens or when something feels like a failure it's very easy to let that rock your self-worth and make you question if you're good enough or you know smart enough working hard enough So what I tell my clients is to imagine yourself as if you're in a bubble and it's mm -hmm. raining outside. So it doesn't mean hardships aren't happening, but when a raindrop hits, it just falls right off and it doesn't permeate into you. So for me, I like to think of everything positive or negative as a raindrop falling off and I still inside the bubble determine my own self-worth. So my own self-worth is not dictated by failures or luck. It's very important for us to reframe failure so that we can mm -hmm. be able to continue, right, with the process. And uh, right. you, you're working with, uh, as you mentioned, and I in the introduction as well, with high-level uh, athletes, executives. Mm -hmm. And does every high-level performer have this period of failure or do some people just have it right from the very beginning? What, what, I think what, that does, everyone... what does your experience say? Sure. My experience would say that everyone encounters some form of adversity and it's never the same for every person. Everyone faces some form of hardship, whether that be in their personal life, their professional life, their academic life. And through those experiences, like we said, instead of turning failure into something that ruins you, Through those experiences, they're able to use those hardships or times of adversity to enhance their resilience and enhance their confidence. Because we all know that once you get to a professional level in sports, everyone has the skill, right? Everyone has that skill set of whether it's playing basketball or playing football. Everyone is skilled enough to play at the yeah. professional level. So what sets apart those players that are extraordinary versus those that are maybe bench players or or never seeming to advance in their career. And I really think a big part of that is resilience and ability to detach, again, be in that bubble and detach from all of the outside noise, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah, exactly. And now I'll go in a direction, a little bit different direction. I, I have heard from a person, psychologist, that I really, I really respect. Mm -hmm. a sentence once upon a time that honestly it still echoes in my mind nowadays and i'm going mm -hmm. to quote him so only without mentioning names he's pretty fine with that uh, pretty much behind <laughs> the scenes so only the ones that have inner luck go through big achievements as they have a lot to compensate for do you agree with that statement it's a little bit deeper here but what is mm -hmm. what is your take on that Can you read it one more time? Yes, sure. Only the ones that have inner luck go for big achievements 
as they have a lot to compensate for? You know, that's a tough one. I think that, it is. you know, <laughs> I was thinking about um, that and it's like, it's a tough one. They yeah. <laughs> yeah I, and you know, it's so hard because our, in our profession for psychiatrists or psychologists, we're almost skewed in a way that it's based on our own experiences with our own subset of clients and everyone has a different subset of clients. So someone's experience might be very different than my experience witnessing or seeing athletes or or high achievers. So uh, I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not sure that I would agree with that people that go for big achievements are compensating for something. I think that you could say that there's a big drive for maybe some other reason, maybe some other uh, family stressor that's making them have to exceed ex uh, exceptionally well at their job so that they could provide for their family. Or, you know, I think that there's so many other things that could go into it and not necessarily ego driven. Got it. But generally speaking, you say you don't agree with that statement, right? Or not? I guess in general. Yeah. I can say, yes, I do agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that there's so much more that goes into it. I think that people who are striving for big achievements certainly have motives and reasons why they are striving to that extent. And whether those be internal reasons or external reasons, I think is different for every person. Yes. Okay, and let's now, now talk about the other side um, of the success responsibility with every success comes responsibility and i think that the bigger the success the bigger the responsibility so mm -hmm. how can people prepare themselves mentally for the biggest goals that they would like to achieve mm -hmm. and being able to be responsible in those i think also, yes. i think yeah i think one thing really is getting really good at compartmentalizing things so What I mean by that is when someone is high achieving and striving for big goals or already there and doing them, it's going to be really important to be able to balance all of the different pieces of life. So if you think of a pie that has eight pieces or four of them work and three of them family and one of them friends or, you know, their own body health. So I think that the, the people that are making it, so to say, really have to get good at compartmentalizing their life. Otherwise, one of those slices of pie could really take up the rest and then they can't give enough attention to everything else. And if they can't give enough attention to everything else, those other things and relationships will suffer. So let's say someone's exceptionally good at their job and from the outside, it looks like they are a high achiever and they're doing everything. Maybe they're not paying attention to how they're eating or taking care of their body or being friends, spending time with family. So slowly, slowly, that piece of the pie gets bigger and takes away the other pieces that were there. So I think for someone to really prepare for success and responsibility, they have to become highly effective at compartmentalizing their life. Yes, absolutely. I think that sometimes we hold that, that idea within mm -hmm. ourselves that the next achievement or the next thing in our life will fill the void that sometimes we as human beings feel. It's pretty normal. Mm -hmm. Most of us, we, yeah. we have felt at least that once in our lives. So, and we think that 
if the next thing, the, the next achievement will fill that void inside. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, in my opinion, it's a huge trap because nothing yes. outside of ourselves can fill that void, right? Mm -hmm. And we know that the brain has the function to normalize everything that is happening to us. So if we achieve something, after a few days, the hyper state will already mm -hmm. be gone. But I think that right. the void will be even louder if we don't look inside because we have put so much expectations on that. Where mm -hmm. is this void coming from and why do some people decide to go for achievement in order to shut down this void? Yeah, I think, I think that, like you said, people are always looking outside of themselves for what will fulfill them. And I think in order for someone to be highly effective in every they have to be internally happy and satisfied. So if someone is not satisfied with themselves or feeling unhappy day to day, then they will always be chasing that feeling by trying to, to fill that, like you said, with something from the outside. That's again, why I think compartmentalizing is so important because you have to get good at paying attention and almost watering the seeds of all the different parts of your life in order to feel truly happy and content. Is there such a thing like addiction to achievements? What do you think? I think that I wouldn't necessarily use the word addiction, but I, I would use the term that they're always chasing something to feel, you know, better about themselves or fill that void. And so, yes, I do think that there are always those that are chasing more and, and never happy with what they have. And that is a big problem because the bar will always be moving. So how can you mm -hmm. ever become happy if the bar is never stopping? Yes. We definitely need to take time to reflect after yes. you and see how far we have become. It's, uh, right. it's so important. Yeah. And I, I've heard you saying in one of, of your interviews that high achievers and celebrities and all the people that you work with like in general not the, the people that you work with but in general are very isolated and uh, lonely mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit more about that sure you that? know for the high for the high achieving professionals i feel like it can be lonely because they are always working so to speak and so i think a lot of times for them they are so successful because they have not yet analyzed certain parts of their life. And it can be very isolating at the top. For example, I think of even just a bunch of my close female physician friends that are other doctors in the area. They're always working. They're always doing something related to patient care or they're with their families. And so it can become isolating where, again, we talk about the importance of having watering all the different parts of your life. And so friendships might lack or, you know, they can't find other women that identify as being hardworking professionals while managing home life. So I think in that subset, it, it can be very lonely and isolating because you're either working or you're with family and it feels like you don't have time to, from what I've seen, take care of yourself, eat healthy, you know, spend time with friends because you're always on the go doing something for someone else, whether that be patients or family. And then with athletes, imagine you're making $40 million a year and your salary is public online. Well, how can you trust new friendships? How can you trust new romantic relationships? How can you 
really identify the true intention of someone that's wanting to get in your inner circle. And, you know, professional athletes, I 100% believe are incredibly isolated because not only are they traveling half the year and more, so they're away from family and friends, they're in hotel rooms by themselves oftentimes, and their salaries are all public online. So everyone that's reaching out probably is wanting a piece of the pie and wants a piece of what they are making. And so it's incredibly hard for these public figures that do have such public lives and public salaries to really, you know, respect and trust the new people coming into their lives. So oftentimes they don't let new people in. They are just stuck in a sense with the people that they're either paying to work for them, family that's been there from the start. But even that poses an issue because family can sometimes put a lot of pressures and we talked about before external pressures and for something and you know they're just in a really challenging position and also wherever they go they're recognized by the public i guess it's it's a huge uh, stress it is and especially when you stand out when you're six foot ten or something like that you just can't you can't even go out because you will be recognized Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm And Dr. Brooke, do you think that high achieving can go hand in hand with peacemaking? I, it's again, deep question. I love deep questions. Uh, Uh I agree with Dalai Lama that says that the planet doesn't need more successful people, but peacemakers and and lovers of all kinds. I so much agree with that. And I, I'm wondering is it possible, like high achieving, to go hand in hand with uh, peacemaking? I think it can certainly be done, but unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be the norm in our society. You know, there's so much competition and, and jealousy and trying to climb to the top and Game of Thrones that it's really unfortunate that in today's society, they're doesn't seem to be a whole lot of that. But I I 100% agree with you that there is the potential for high achieving, highly successful people to be peacemakers as they do have a large influence. I've heard some very successful people saying that you cannot be in balance and at peace and at the same Mm -hmm. time going for the next level. Because the next level requires getting out of the comfort zone. And mm-hmm. getting out of the comfort zone, it's not easy. It's all, I think it's not related to, to the peaceful state. Because some fears, some doubts are involved. That's normal. We are human beings. It's pretty much normal. Maybe, as you said, nowadays it's not so much common, but it's possible. Yeah, I think it's possible and it's important. And I think that yeah. people should strive strive to do that. Yes, it's important. Uh, I was happy to see on your Instagram page that you say that pills are pills are not always the answer. And while we know that mm-hmm. antidepressant uh, pills and medicines they're uh, certainly needed for some cases, and a huge disclaimer here, you know, it's not a medical advice. Although I'm talking to a doctor, <laughs> it's not a medical advice. <laughs> so um, they're maybe prescribed way too much. Do you think that if a person has a problem and uh, this person identify the problem in the very beginning and find the root cause for the problem and talk to psychologists, psychiatry, then 
maybe the use of the medicines will be decreased? It's a tough question because it all boils down to really helping and having the time to figure out with the, the person what the underlying issue is. And so in typical healthcare with insurance where appointments are 15 minutes and there isn't a lot of time to get into that, I think that's where we see the not over prescribing, but I think medication is the, the first thing when people go to a psychiatrist, you know, but I think that the benefit of being in private practice is I can really spend a lot of time to really help understand what the root cause is. Sometimes it could be treated without medication, but you know, the gold standard is sometimes that it's a combination of medication and therapy. And I will never say that medication alone is the answer because like you said, it's, it's not, it really has to be in conjunction with someone recognizing what some of the root causes are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Dr. Rook, at the end of this episode, I usually do the following. I uh, start a sentence and then mm -hmm. I would love you to, to finish this sentence with, with just okay. a few words, whatever comes to your mind, not so much thinking, just a few words. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Okay. All right, the first one is success for me is... Happiness. As a performance psychiatrist, I've realized that high achievers... Take action and never stop trying. There isn't anything more important in life than... That's the huge a support one. System. <laughs> a support system. Okay. Um... <laughs> Okay, then don't get into the illusion that money means happiness. I love that. If I could change change one thing in the world, it would be to have more unity among people. And I really believe in hard work. Hard work. <laughs> pretty much connected with your work okay <laughs> thank you so much for this conversation dr brooke i really appreciate your time thank you i appreciate your time as well